Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Live It, Love It, Fuck It. I'm your host, LJ, and once again, a new guest, new stories, and this time I brought Ms. JJ from Jacksonville, Florida. How you doing? Hi! How are you? Good. For those that don't know, um, I had the privilege to meet her through TikTok, and one of the key elements that caught my attention was your motivating support system that you give people that I think were in toxic relationship. Am I correct? Yes, that is one of them, yes. And the thing that shocked me the most is how you interpret it, how you mix the music. The songs mm-hmm. that we all grow up and love and realize that, hey, it's, it's, it has a story behind it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're, I've been to your lives and very motivating, very straight raw. Like so as I said earlier, raw. And when I mean raw, I mean you don't hold back. Yeah, yeah, There's that's the only way to be, you know. It's more work when you're trying to be something else that you're not. And for me, I wanted people to really feel like I, I never knew. I always kept like tissues beside me because I was like, oh, man, I'm going to share my story. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'd have tissues by me. But I just feel that it, you know, I don't want to try to be someone else. I've tried to do that in the past. You know, we get to a point at our age. We've already and I say this all the time on my lives is that we've already lived half our lives. So everything else from here on out is the chapter, the stories that I'm going to write, the chapter of my life that I'm going to be in charge of this time. And, you know, and I'm in the learn it, live it, give it phase. You know, I've learned, you know, that you can survive anything if you put your mind to it, you know, and I've lived through it. And that's why through, you know, my videos and the way when I speak, when I public speak and talk to people and I coach other people, I'm in the give it phase where I want to just give everything I learned to kind of hopefully either minimize or be able to help people get through a tough time that they didn't think that they could get through. So you coach, you said, how long have you been doing that for? Um, I've always I've always been in a leadership role pretty much most of my um career so i would say uh closer to 20 20 years 20 years i think it's wonderful when i meet someone with um who's been a coach or people nowadays tell me that they feel uncomfortable with people with power especially with women not me i love it i love (laughs) seeing someone grow it's new it's fresh it's empowering you ever run into people that feel like that's kind of awkward or in a relationship they feel like the woman has more power than the man I definitely, I definitely have. It is tough being it. I've always been in a very corporate position. And a lot of the times when you're like that, you're used to carrying yourself a certain way. So when you're in a relationship, you kind of try to tone it down a little bit because you don't want to be that, you know, I learned it was hard for me because growing up when I got into the corporate world, I got into the corporate world really early, like my first, you know, even just management position, I think I was I had just turned 21. What? Wow, wow. I had just turned 21 and it was really hard because there were people that were older than way older than me. We're talking 10, 15 years older than me that were should have, you know, I guess people thought that they should have got it. And I had to learn how to adapt to that. And I learned that in order for me to be an effective leader, I'm going to have to empower those that work for me um, and let them know that I'm here for them and not just to be over them type of thing. I'm here for you. I'm here to be your voice. I'm here to do this. I need your support. We support each other. We grow together. So um, that's pretty much how that started out. And then from then I gained, when I did learn, learn to gain the respect of my most difficult challenge from a woman that was, I mean, she had been in the industry like 10 or 15 years and I was just a nobody that just came off the street and decided to come in and work and only because of my educational background did I get that position but I mean I worked my way up I never got into a corporate position because I knew somebody I mean every single time I built up my reputation and I like worked from the ground up like here's your coffee ma'am and do you want me to clean your office like you know that kind of thing and then I kind of observed and saw like oh you can do this and make this much money I can do that And, you know, kind of taught myself like, okay, I get it. And I just kind of went for it. And, you know, it's funny because when you're younger and and I tell everybody, you got to get into that mode where you're thinking, 
you know, when we're 20 something and you get that little bit of success, it's like, oh, hell yeah, I can do it. Whether it be in sports, whether it be anything that you're putting your mind to, you get this unstoppable feeling, right? Like you're unstoppable no matter what. And you get that determination. It comes with laser focus and then you're just going for it. And back then I had no direction. I had no Tony Robbins. I had no Zig Ziglar. I didn't have any of that. But I just you must have had it. something in your roots that made you I that had, motivating. I had, I had drive. And it's funny because and people should think about this. I, I think about this all the time is it's funny because your childhood and how you were in high school is normally going to determine how you are in the, in the um, employment world, I guess you could say, because, you know, when I was growing up, I, I was always captain of the cheerleader. I was, um, you know, I was in martial arts, so I couldn't just be in martial arts. I had to like, I trained enough to where as I got an invitation to compete in the junior world Olympics. Or, you know, I was a cheerleader, so I competed individually. So I was top 10 in the nation for cheerleading all four years of high school. I learned that I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to set the standard. I wanted people to follow what I was doing because I was, I practiced really hard to get to where I was. It's not like I got there because I had raw talent. Like I put hours and hours and hours in. And from that, now we're talking about high school and, and, and middle school. Then I took that. And for some reason, that mentality that I had to practice, I had to do this so I could be here. I learned that when you put in the work, you're going to reap the reward. You're going to get whatever you put in. You put in what you're going to get out what you put in. You know, in the corporate world, I learned you it's the same thing. You know, those that were leaders when they were younger want to be leaders now. And it's not like I need a title that says, hey, you're the director you're the director here, you're the manager this, you're senior that, or VP of blah, blah, blah. Like all those titles, I've had all those titles. It doesn't mean anything. I, I'm just trying, I'm passionate about helping people get to a level they never thought they could be. And Is it so- has you ever, Have you ever failed in something? Because I usually say like, sometimes you need to learn how to fail in order to succeed sometimes. Multiple times, multiple times. And, you know, and even in the corporate world, I, I remember one time, there's actually one, it wasn't my fault, but I was in a karate tournament and I practiced day and night and day and night. And I got to a tournament and this girl cheated and I jumped up and did a sidekick and she grabbed my leg. So I fell straight down onto my tailbone and like, I'm, it was like karate kid action. I was like rolling on the ground because it was like the most hardest pain I've ever felt. And, you know, I got whisked off and I thought my, I thought my master was going to bust out some Miyagi stuff, but he didn't. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you're not going to be able to compete. And I remember thinking, and I, and I said, there's no way you can fix me. And I said, I tried so hard. I worked so hard. You know, I can beat anybody that comes in front of me. And, you know, he told me, he said, it's, he goes, it's not about that. He goes, you didn't see it coming. And he goes, had you saw it coming, you would have caught it. And then I was like, oh, so this, to me, and maybe that didn't make sense. But to me, it's like, OK, I didn't predict that that was going to happen because I already had the determination that I'm going to beat this girl. Nothing's going to happen. And then I guess I didn't I didn't think that someone could cheat me. It, that, and Which is a huge life lesson is that most times in anything, in business deals, in relationships, you don't think the other per you think the person's going to play fair. And so when she cheated, it was so disheartening to me. And I was like, that took, I mean, I, I lost a championship because of that. And I thought I gotta, I gotta try harder. I guess I gotta open my eyes more to things that might happen because people aren't going to play fair all the so time. So was, was this person your mentor? He was my first mentor. Yeah. He was Do you my believe first that mentor. everyone needs a mentor no matter what, as you grow up? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, Tony Robbins had a mentor. He started out and he still has mentors that still guide him and, you know, and, and he's phenomenal at what he does, but you know, you always need guidance. I always say, never say you're the best at something. Cause you'll never be better than you are. You know, you level up when you surround yourself with the right people. You, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You're not going to learn from anything there. You're already the top. A so, lot of people settle though. A lot of people get comfortable because they feel like they, oh, I deserve it. A lot of people get comfortable because they're afraid of going into the next room and the next level um, because they won't be the smartest person anymore. It's such a, it's crazy. And you see it more times than not. I've actually talked to people that I recruit and, you know, they're the top, you know, person in their, I, I, I'm, we're in real estate. So they're the top person in the real estate office and they don't want to go to another level. They don't want to move to another office because if they do, they know there's people better than them. 
and they're afraid of that challenge because they've already earned the title of being the best. It's kind of strange how people think that way, but I, you know, I tell everybody, I'm like, you can always keep going. Don't stop. I learned, this, I, I learned this more specifically from actually my therapist when I was young with the therapy and then my last therapist I was mad cool with him we built such a great relationship because I'm like he knows I like to analyze things and learn from things and I'm very competitive he told me everyone needs a mentor a mentor has a mentor and as you get older you know you feel like you're better at something so you know becoming a parent we feel like okay we're parents and yeah. we're so focused on being a parenting that we forget that you know that's another level of mentoring you need there I do have, I actually have multiple, I have three and I, you get different things from each mentor, even though they're, they're conditioned and trained for certain subjects or certain areas of your life. They each contribute something different that I learned from. So it's definitely, if you don't have a mentor, you should definitely have one or someone that you at least have, you hold in the highest regards. When it comes to relationships, isn't it difficult for some people or people in general to open up about looking for a mentor in relationships? Um, people have asked me like through my career, through my family, through my you know love relationship, you failed. I'm like, yeah, I failed. So what? I got back up. But it's just more of like, I did it alone. I didn't have a mentor. But then little by little, I try to figure out what I did wrong. And sometimes learning and admitting sometimes what you did, it's t- difficult. You always want to blame somebody else. So, yeah. I mean, I did give therapy. You advice. So I guess therapy might try, might be a mentor sort of that was in the healing process. So as far as guidance in relationships, no, it's kind of funny because, you know, coming out of a really toxic relationship with my previous marriage, it was funny because I noticed I did date somebody recently, like a year and a half ago, um, that basically when I, I noticed in the relationship, because there was so much fault in my toxic relationship, when I got in this relationship, I was like a control freak. Um, you know, because I, and it's funny, I took like, you're the creator of your life to a whole nother level. Cause I was like, okay, let's communicate. Let's over communicate. I, I don't have time for games. Here's how it is. Here's what I foresee happening. Here's what my thought process but you are. you did that because of your experience or cause you didn't, you learned from your mistakes. I learned from my mistakes. When I got out of the toxic relationship, I told myself, you know what? I don't need to be. And I really, when you really truly get to a point where you love yourself and you put yourself first, I never really understood what that meant. And then when I really truly grasped the concept of loving yourself, I realized I didn't need someone to be complete. Right. And so I love myself and I told myself, I'm going to just work on myself to be the best version of myself so I could be that for a partner. But what steps Um, would you give for that? Like if you were to give me like two or three advices to give to the audience what would be the first two things you could think that to love yourself so it's really hard because you know when you come out of a dark place or you're trying to figure out okay well you're telling me love myself what does that really mean right so you have to start out with something small it can't be something big so small things and i talked about this i talk about this a lot on my lives is that think about a time when you just you know because when you're meditating or something sometimes you have to close your eyes and think Okay, what are some of the things that I remember happy moments, right? Moments where I felt like so like I felt like the white light was shining and I was happy, right? Fortunate for me, I'm a comfort eater. So for me, it was like, oh, you know, when I went to have, you know, this particular food, let's say um, ice cream, creme brulee, whatever the case may be, or I ate at this particular restaurant or, oh, when I treated myself and I got my nails done, I was like, you know what? I really earned this. So you think about the things something that brought that light that you felt like alive again, or whatever the case may be, whatever it is. And it could be something so small. It could be like, you know what? I actually curled my hair today from a woman's perspective. I curled my hair today and I put makeup on. It could be something so simple. And it's funny because in therapy, they, they don't mention this to you until after you get to this point, but they notice that people are progressing in their healing process when they start to fix their hair and put their makeup on and everything, because that means they're starting to care for themselves. So, you know, taking care of yourself and, you know, your well-being, your breathing, your eating, your hair, your makeup, that's what's going to make you feel better. You know, you got to feel better in your own skin. And a lot of the times, and I, I tell people this in my training, like, so I have this one training I call first day on the job attitude. 
remember when you get your first day on the job, right? You just got hired. You're excited, you know, and you like you're going on your first day. Now you got something to prove. So you're going to wear your best outfit. It's going to be ironed. It's going to be clean. It's going to be, you know, shiny. It's going to your hair is going to be perfect. You're going to get up extra early to get ready. You're going to put your face together. You look in the mirror and you're like, I feel good. This is my first day. I'm going to look awesome. I got to, I got something to prove. I'm going to impress everybody. That's your first day on the job attitude. Like I have to prove that the decision they made to choose me is the right one. Right? So when you do that, you feel good. You walk in confident, you're standing up straight, you, you smile more and you look good because you're like, man, I really feel good. I look good. I'm wearing a great outfit and you know, this is it. And so doing something little like that, you don't have to look like, you know, you, you just got to go into work or in, start each day. Every day is as if it's your first day on the job. I feel like it's more of a yes man when you start a new job. When I think about people when they first start a job, anyone, um, I was a recruiter for so many years. Literally, everyone wants to be a yes man when they start a new job. Yes, yes, I love this job. But does it sometimes after a couple of months, and it's similar to relationships when, you know, I call it the cloud nine syndrome. When you start a relationship, you're all happy in cloud nine. And just like a job, yeah, I love this job. A year later, a year or two later, you're like, oh, fuck this job. Or, oh, start pointing out the flaws. Similar to life experience, don't you think? Different views on that. It's typically what happens to most people. It's typically what happens to most people. Um as opposed to that in the culture that I build in our, we have two real estate offices. The culture that I try to build is to avoid that because they're doing the same thing day in and day out. And there's things that you need to do to change that, but still just kind of modify. So what I mean, if I remind them the first day on the job attitude, and then we do things to celebrate their wins along mm. the way. At the, so at the end of the year, in the month of December, I always host a goal setting work, business planning workshop. And it's not something new. Everyone should do it, right? Where you're putting your goals, but it's going a little bit more in depth because when you work for us, we want you, we want to be aligned with what your goals are professionally and personally. Like, what are you trying to do spiritually? Are you trying to be a better mom? Are you trying to be, you know, go to church more? Are you trying, whatever your goals are, we want to be aligned with it. Then, you know, we, we constantly every week meet with every, you know, meet with everybody and just kind of power like, Hey, today's Monday. It's brag. Bam. What's your bam. You're brag about it Monday. And they tell us, you know, what are some of the things they accomplished last week? And then I reminded them because now we just turned into February. I told them, I just want to remind everybody that you understand the reason why we have bam on Monday and we're celebrating your wins. It's not just, it's, it's more, it's not just a brag board. We're celebrating your wins along your journey. We're not just leading you in a certain direction. We want to celebrate your wins along the way. And then they just realize like, oh, okay, it's, it's new every single time. And then, so we remind them like, Hey, you know, this is, it doesn't matter if you've been in real estate for 20 years or five years or a couple months, it's going to be something new every day. We want to celebrate it because it's always something new. So we're constantly reminding them to change up and level up. Other real estate offices are different. We definitely set ourselves uh, apart from everyone else because you can hang your license at any real estate office. You can't do that at ours. For ours, we are one of the only real estate companies in existence that actually have a minimum standard for real estate. You have to have out of 10,000 agents here in Northeast Florida, only 2,000 out of 10 make the minimum standard just to be considered. And then, you know, we go through a rigorous uh, process of meeting, you know, our leadership and, you know, and I, I want to see like, if we're going to invest in you, do you want to level up your business? Because if you want to stay at the level you're at, it's not, that's not going to work for us because we are definitely an abundance mindset group. We're trying to build a, a, a unit of like-minded people that are trying to build towards a life of true abundance. We want it to be a little bit different. And the culture is, you know, the big thing about us, I think we're very personal because, you know, I'm a mom before anything. Our whole leadership, we're all parents. You know, we, family always comes first. And a Isn't lot of times- difficult though for some people to walk in for a job that they have to be more personal than professional? Is it a, do you, you know, isn't that an interesting mix? Because not everyone is an introvert. You ever done the personality test before? I have definitely done the Myers, that. The Myers-Briggs. I think I did in college the Myers-Briggs. Multiple, I, I, multiple. Yeah, I am ENFJ, which obviously my personality could stand off. Are you similar? 
Um, I've never taken that test. I've done, of course, the DISC test um, that most people are familiar with. Yes, I'm familiar with that as well, too. Dominance. I'm assuming you're a dominance. (laughs) You would think so for a lot of it, yeah. Um, But I do have a lot of I and C traits are definitely, you know, like I'm very, I, in order for me to succeed, I have to know the process to everything. I believe there's a system to a system and a backup to a backup before I can actually pitch or, or talk to somebody naturally about it. So I, I'm all about the systems. And then I also believe in delivering it in a different manner that will be well received. You know, so I don't I don't like to do anything traditional as far as my teaching skills and my training classes are definitely a little bit so different you think outside the box. I definitely like to think outside the box and it shocks people. And then they get in this, like some people clam up, but it's, but then when they get used to it and they see other people are adopting it, they're like, Oh, okay. That's just the thing. <laughs> so how do you convert that into your personal life? Like, because it's not the same system, right? It's not the same system. Um, you have to, I think in relationships, you have to level down a little bit. Because in the corporate world, I'm very, and those that work with me or know me, you know, I'm very, I like, I like to lead. Um, And I like to kind of uplift people. I like to lead. And then I like to also follow so I can support them from behind. So it's a little bit different. Um, I do learn to apply it, but I have to kind of scale back a little bit. I think that's why I say kind of level down a little bit because I'm very dominant in the business world. Which is I'm very, great. I mean, it's great. It's awesome. I'm very strong in my closing skills, but my closing skills are lacking because I'm single. So obviously I'm not good at closing in the personal world. I mean, um, why, why, why do you feel that? I mean, listening to you right now is like you got the whole corporate job readiness, the whole system built already for you. Now, I'm wondering, as a, as a man listening to this, I think it's hot. I think it's cool. I'm like, that's what's up. <laughs> I could guarantee you I could be man that'd be like, oh hell no. I can't level, I can't level up I can't level up with this. I think it's intimidating to to guys. I think it's intimidating, guys. It's very hard. Um, you do learn to communicate so you can be on their level. Cause here's the thing, it's it's very hard when someone's not on your level. And what I mean by your level doesn't mean like your financial means or anything. It's like their mentality right? Are they okay with just being where they are? And am I okay with them? You know, because when you have that abundance mindset, you want more every time, not to be selfish, not to be greedy, but you just want more for yourself. Like, okay, I'm at this level. Next year, I want to be at this level. Next week, I want to be on this level. Tomorrow, I want to be at this level. So is that the same pace you have for relationships too? Like, do you see yourself two months from now here? And people would tell me too. And I, I don't like that. I don't like people telling me, Oh, he's not on your level. Like, what do you mean? Do you even know what my level is? Because my level is coming from something different, has nothing to do with your looks. Like, you know, I could care less how much you weigh. I could care how much less how much money you make. You know, I want you to have a job. I want you to not. Do you have a minimum requirement? Do you you have a minimum requirement? Totally. So (laughs) um, it's kind of different. It's, It's a widespread. So, I mean, my requirement is you have to. Whatever job you're doing, if you're passionate about it, I support it. It doesn't, I, I could care less if you're the manager of McDonald's. Um, it's not like I'm going to go in McDonald's seeking Mr. Right. But I'm saying like, you know, whatever your mentality, if what you're doing is what you're passionate about, I support that, you know, just be the best at that is what I'm saying, you know, or have aspirations if you're at this level to kind of move up. It's what's kind of important to me. Cause I think if, if you don't have a leadership mindset, it, I noticed, and this is true of my very most recent relationship, the one I was telling you about before, the one where I got rejected from um, because I've had kids. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But yeah, that just makes. I mean, oh man, that's just that's a, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. But I noticed with him, you know, he was happy with what he was doing, but he couldn't level up, and like. He didn't want to level up. He was just okay doing what he was doing. And I just kind of, and I, and I get it. Cause I started to feel myself like be okay with it. Cause I can't, everyone's not in that abundance mindset, you know? And, you know, sometimes when you have someone that's that strong willed, like how I am, you might bump heads. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't actually really dated anybody or been with anybody um, besides my ex-husband that actually met me on that level. So you do have to level down and you have to be okay. So my minimum requirement is you have to, whatever it is you're doing, you have to be passionate about it. 
You have to have goals on what you want to accomplish in life. If you're living with your mom, it's because you're taking care of her, not because you can't be <laughs> sufficient. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, you're if you're living with mom, I respect that because I come from a very big family background. And if you're living with your mom because you're taking care of your parents, that's one thing. But if you're living with your parents because you can't function on your own, that's I, I'm, I'm not down with that. That's basically your minimum, you know, my minimum. How about kids? Income. How about kids? Young, small kids? Um, it's not a red flag for me, but it's it's gonna be a challenge. I'm very if you follow me on Facebook and my Instagram, I'm very, very close with my nephews who are two and six. I have really strong relationships. So I get along with kids. I think if a guy if I really like the guy and then, you know, obviously he was honest in the beginning and told me he had kids, I don't think I'd be like, Oh hell no, I'm not gonna I, I wouldn't judge him based on his kids. It I would judge him based on how he raises his kids. Like, are you involved? Like if he says, well, you know, I only have them whenever, or he's not really involved, then that's a red flag to me. How can you identify that? If you know that he's going to be a good father when someone could just lie to you the first couple of months and say, yeah, I'm a great, I'm a great father. No, because you, you hear the, some of the advice. So I would, I would, I'm guilty of it. I do test them and I'll ask certain scenarios because they're going to, if you ask somebody for advice, they're going to give you their honest opinion. They're not going to BS their way through that. Does that make sense? <laughs> Because no, people want to be the expert, right? They want to be the expert, so they need to be right. So when you ask somebody for advice, they're going to give you their honest opinion of what they would truly say. And that's how you find out the truth. Because, it, I mean, like, he could say, like, yeah, I'm a good dad. I pay this. I do that. Okay, well, whatever. So I want to see really what you think, how you're thinking. What do you do? What is your process as a parent? And how would you discipline a child? So I ask advice based on me saying, hey, my daughter did this or my son did this. How would you handle it? They're going to tell me. And then based on that, I'll know what their mentality is as a parent. Interesting. It's like a test. Everything's a test to you. You know, it's I'm a closer. So every per, you know, everything you say has to have a purpose. So let me there ask you is. something. Give me, give me a scenario if you can. Of when you're like your first date with somebody, how do you break that down to analyze it? What is it that you're asking for? What is it you're looking for? Hmm. Well, I haven't been on a lot of first dates, but I have been on some dates, you know, in the past, I guess, two years or something. Are you looking for love in those in those dates? Like, are you looking for love? Are you hoping to find love in your dates? Or are you just going with the flow and just say, you know what, I'm going to just take this step and just just try this level first? I don't want to say I'm not looking for love per se, because I do believe that everyone's deserving of love. And I feel, you know, even though I've had a crappy past in relationships, I believe that love still exists and I still look for it. You know, I'm waiting for it to come to me. I'm, I want by me shining the way that I am, I'm hoping to attract the right person. So on a first date perspective, um, I'm very, I'm very talkative and I'm very observant at the same time. Like I'm going to spit a little bit out. And then I'm going to sit back and observe what your response is to some of the things I'm asking. So I, I'm it's hard analyzing. For you. Is it hard for you? I think I could notice that when you know how to, you're very vocal, you're very confident in what you say. You can lead. I can see like you, you're pretty much leading this conversation, which is cool because I'm always like <laughs> leading my stuff. And I'm like, I enjoy when someone else leads because it's fun for me because I'm also <laughs> analyzing. But it's just I'm not going to take that away from the person. I think yeah. that's empowering. I think that's great. But I can only imagine sometimes when you meet someone who's the opposite, who's not a talkative person. So you ever had one of those before? I'm telling you, my most recent relationship was exactly like that. I mean, he's nothing like me. I even asked him to do a, a Tony Robbins after I went to the first one. And he was like, no, I that's not something I would enjoy. And I'm like, what? And then when I told other people that my my coworkers, they were like, oh, you're not going to be together long. He's not. He doesn't match you. And, you know, he doesn't match me on any way. He's like complete opposite, you know, but there was just something there. And so unfortunate for me, you know, I still am a romantic because he treated me good. He was great. He's a good looking guy, um, very personable. And, you know, he had good family values for the most part, except for one was a little bit obsessive, but whatever. And I had to, I did have to scale back, but like he was funny and he just kind of went with the flow and he accepted me for how I currently am he didn't know what I did because I didn't want to tell him what I did for a living why and he didn't ask about it and is, and that what, was important. is it a problem that they ask you don't ask you 
I guess the better way of me expressing like what I let's talk about what I, I don't like or what I don't want to hear, you know, because a lot of the times if somebody knows what I do professionally and the positions I've had or whatnot, their instant thing to me is to tell me how much they make what they do flash around their flashy car or whatever. And, and they're boasting about themselves, their um, materialistic statues. Right. And I just, I don't like that, you know, cause mm. for me, for me, I've come a long way and it, it's a learning experience because for example, when I got divorced, we had a boat, we had a truck, you know, I bought all sorts of things. He didn't really work. So I bought all sorts of things for him. S 500, whatever the case may be. And you know, when we got divorced, I could have fought for the, I could have fought for the boat, the truck, the Mercedes, the, you know, I could have done all that, our business, but I knew I was very confident because that's, I earned those things. I bought those things myself is that I would be able to get those on my own. It's not important. So I bought like, you know, I was starting life over. I packed all my stuff and, you know, I had $20 in my pocket because I let him have the bank account. I didn't care because I knew I was I was going to have the skill to get back to where I needed to be financially. So internally, well, when you say all this, what was your main focus? Because it wasn't you cared. You really wanted to leave it. You just didn't care no more. You wanted out as soon as possible. I wanted out as soon as possible because I finally decided I was confident. I took my power back. And I was confident that I know in my past and in my history of corporate life that I have been at this level, right? And if I can get to this level at one point, I can get there again. And I knew that I would be able to do it. It didn't matter. It was totally the rags to riches story. Like exactly what people say. I had $20 in my pocket. Let me hustle. Let me figure out what I'm going to do. Got a national, I got a position as the national sales trainer for a merchant processing company. Boom. Like, so, in, wait, so just, to, just to back up a little bit on that. So I'm trying to understand the mindset for any of the listeners out there. Just when, when you break up a marriage, marriage, correct? It was for how yes. many years or how many years? 17 years. 17 years. It looks to me like you want to get that fuck out. It was a narcissistic, mentally and physically abusive relationship. Yes. How did you heal? What advice would you give someone who is going through something similar or is recently divorced? If I were to, you know, when I give the advice about that is that it's what you want it to be. Like I said, you have to love yourself first. When you feel trapped, I felt trapped because I had a daughter that loved her dad. They were like best of friends. They're still best of friends, I guess, you know, when he's around, um, you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I got to do what's good for her. Who cares? And, and one time we separated and I, the thought process, this is an awful thought process, but this is what happens when you feel trapped and you feel like you can't go anywhere and you don't love yourself enough. I used to pray and say, okay, I'm going to go back to him, God, because I see my daughter suffering, not being with her dad. It's okay for me to suffer. I'm willing to suffer as long as she's not. So I thought as a parent, that I was like, well, you know, I'm doing this for my daughter. All parents say that. I'm doing this for the kids to keep us together, uh, even I, though you're miserable. Everywhere I go, I've heard this. It's awful. And I realized, but you have to realize that that's BS. You can't do that, you know, and your kids are smarter than you think. They know, they feel, they've heard through the walls things that you've gone through. And, and then it comes to the realization that I said to myself, I do not want my daughter to think that that's okay. Because remember this, if she knows that her dad can like put his hands on me and bring harm to me and I'm going to stay around, she's going to believe that that's what love is supposed to be because that's her dad. So I realized and woke up that, you know what? I need to take my power back and she will appreciate it. I will, I committed to building the life I wanted to live with. I wanted to give her, even though it was going to be hard at first, because I knew eventually we would be okay because I've, I've always financially been very secure. Year one from the day you decided to leave for that first year, do you remember what was in your mindset or what were you focusing on? It is a healing process. It's a very scary healing process. I mean, Honestly, I've never been closer to Jesus. I needed the extra prayer to get through it. Um, but ultimately, I learned and I conditioned myself because I, 
I used to pray and cry, like, just let, get me through this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I used to pray, like, please, will he just please leave me? I wish he would leave me, break up with me so I don't have to be the one to do it because I said, God, I'm not strong enough to leave him. I need you to have him leave me. But I, he, he wasn't going to leave me because I was a good woman. I'm not going to leave you for those girls. Oh, oh you weren't going to leave me for those girls? Great. I'm glad. Sounds like a movie. It was horrible. And so because of that, you know, I realize you, you realize it as you, if you hear yourself telling your friends or writing down on in your journal, things that you're pissed off about that he did, but then you realize if my, if my daughter, that that's how I started changing my mindset. If my daughter would tell me this particular story right here, what would I tell my daughter? And you know, th- that flips the switch. If you start conditioning yourself to think that way, because I'm like, if my daughter were to tell me that her man was doing the things that her dad used to do to me, I probably would be in jail <laughs> or prison, you know, for bad things because I, I, that would be unacceptable. And I never want my daughter to accept that. So I wanted to make sure I, I made those things for myself. And that's why I say when you're on your road to healing, you have to think of what makes you happy. When you start to do little things that make you happy, It'll start to bring light and then you'll start to get you take your power back and you're able to say no. The first no that you're able to say to that toxic person when they're like or when you're sleeping and your dog's sick and then they're like, hey, I'm hungry. Make me a sandwich. And you're like on your deathbed and they're they're telling you to make your sandwich when I'm able to say, no, I'm not going to make a sandwich. You're going to have to make it yourself. And he would rather like starve than make himself something to eat than you starve. And then the first time that you say no, it's so empowering. It's scared. And and even like you feel reservations about it. Like, oh my God, I said no to him. I should probably get up even though I'm uh-huh. sick. And But if you have the power, once you start to take your power back and it's little things that you just take your power back. Like, no, I'm not going to make you a sandwich. No, I'm not going to go pick this up. No, I'm not going to clean up this room because you decided to leave your clothes on the floor. It's not how it works. So, so when you, you left him, or when, you, when it was finally said and done, now, okay, now you're on your own. I know you have a career. I know you have this, but now the healing process comes. When did you feel like it was time for you to start going back out there and date? Or did you take time away from that for a long time? It didn't take long for me because my mindset's a little bit different, you know? And yes, you're right. Like I, I, I definitely am very like a shark, but I got bit, you know, and that 17 years broke me down to a person I couldn't even recognize. I mean, I got to the point where I was suicidal, so it was really bad. But when I got, when I got out of the relationship and I, and I, you know, moved back home, you know, it wasn't about like, oh, I want to be my, you know, some people are like, oh yeah, I don't want to date or I'm going to wait a year and then maybe I'll date. And my thing is, you know, just because that didn't work out doesn't mean that I wasn't meant to be loved. And doesn't mean that there's a timeline. You don't put a timeline on when you're going to have feelings like, oh, let me heal. I'm going to take a year off and then maybe I'll start dating. I'll be open to it a year from now. How do you really know when that is? So my thing is you just go with the flow. You know, if God sends you somebody in your way and you're kind of feeling excited, like, wow, I'm kind of, and that's what I noticed. It, 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 maybe I was, I would say maybe within the year, I know that for sure. Within the year I met the guy and I was just like, I just saw him. And I was like, I'm not leaving without that guy's phone number or social media because I actually <laughs> didn't ask him for his phone number. I asked him for his Instagram name because <laughs> um, I don't have any game. That's a joke on my TikTok. But yeah, I just I went with the flow of that. But once I'm in a relationship, like I know that you like me and I like you, um, there is no go with the flow with me. I'm all in or I'm not. And, you know, I'll communicate that to you. Like as long, you know, I just put kind of guidelines, kind of like the rules, the policies and procedures, as you will, the SOP of relationships. And then, I mean, I ask for simple things. All I ask for is number one, just be open and honest with me all the time. That'll keep our relationship pure. Like if something's bothering you about something I'm doing or something's bothering me about something you're doing, I'm going to tell you right away. I'm not going to wait till it builds up and then it you know, it works to the point of no return and, and an argument is going to mess up. I'll tell you like, hey, this is what I want or here's what you're doing. It kind of, you know, bothers me a little bit. And then if that person adjusts, then I know they care about what I think because I expressed what was bothering me. They made the adjustment and and there's that, you know, for me, if a guy can make me feel like I'm number, I want the guy to always And I tell this to all my guy friends, make sure when you're married, when you're with your girlfriend, always make sure every time that 
you make them feel like they're number one. Because sometimes we're like, oh, I was a jealous person or da, 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 da. I was a jealous wife because I knew I was being cheated on. That's different, but I'm not a jealous person because I feel that jealousy comes and it comes, yes, it does come from an insecurity, but it comes from an insecurity because you're not feeling the security from the person you're with. If you are with someone and you have a solid relationship and they say, they make you feel every day like you're, when you date me, you're going to feel like the king of the universe. You'll feel like the alpha of the pack, even though you're not, but I'll make <laughs> you feel like you're the alpha of the pack, you know, and you're going to feel like you're the center of my universe. And you're going to feel like you're the most, you know, most hottest thing known to the the world. Um, and that'll be a comfort. And, and he needs to do the same for me. Cause then I know if he says he's out with his boys or he's doing this and that I'm utmost of confident that he's going to be, lo- he's going to be faithful to me. So, so that's jeal- really, I, I feel like if you eliminate the jealousy, relationships become more easier, but the word yep. communication is, is scary because it takes time for communication, especially if you've been in the game back and forth in other relationships, married, divorced, that word communication takes a while to, to build something, doesn't it? Because I don't think so. I, and like I said, I'm a unicorn. So it normally would, but I think if you're open and honest from the beginning and I tell, you know, I told, I told the guy, I was like, you know, I'm very big on communication and I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. I want you to be honest with me on how you feel about that. And we're going to, we're going to talk it through. And, and because of it, the actual relationship was solid. Um, We just had a hiccup in the end. And I think that was what was hard for me on the breakup side. What do you think is three things that guys want the most in a woman? Like, I feel like understanding the men's point of view as well. Like, I always ask women, do you understand what men really want? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they gave, they gave me all these answers. But I want to know, what do you think men really want? I think that men really want someone who is going to compliment them and their lifestyle. Like, that's going to be able to kind of fit into their world and still respect their world and add value to it. Well, at least the guy I'm looking for is going to want that. I think that they are looking for someone that can give them a sense of security and actually trust them and give them that freedom. And I will trust you until you take that away. And I also feel like someone that they can, I don't know, almost like a motherly figure. And that might be the codependent side of me because I do have a slight codependence because I want to be caring. There's a caring side of me. I want to make sure that the guy feels, and I did this in a post one time on one of my TikTok videos, is that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be whatever you need me to be in your world at the time that you need it. Like whether you need, if you need me to be by your side to kind of walk you through something, I'll be by your side. If you need me to lead you because you're not sure of your way, I'm going to lead you in the right direction. If you need me to be behind you because you feel like you're falling, I'm going to be the person that's posting up. So I'm going to be whatever you need to compliment your life. Like I did in a post, I also said like, you know, love me for who I am who I will support you to be like, you know, if you want to try to get to a certain level, I want to be the one that guides you in that right way. Have you ever been sidetracked in a relationship? Like shit, everything went well the way I thought it was supposed to be. And then boom, something just mad random that out of nowhere happened. And cause it looks <laughs> to me like you learn from your mistakes. I can see that you're very ambitious. You could just tell that you fail once. You're not going to catch me again with this failure. I got you right. the next time. So I would say that, again, the most really most recent relationship was kind of like a a slap in the face because the relationship itself was it was perfectly imperfect in every way, shape or form. The communication was great. Our our schedules were great. We were respectful of each other's lives because I'm a mom with a child in high school. So I'm involved with my daughter and her band and stuff like that. So he met my side of the family, my parents, my kids, you know, and I don't introduce everyone to my kids. Like we have to be committed and dating for a serious amount of time to get to that level. So he did get to the level where I allowed him to meet my kids because my son is 23, my daughter's 15. So he did meet them. And then it came to the time for me to meet his parents. It was all planned out. We were going to have this, you know, nice dinner. This was during the pandemic, early in the pandemic. And then his mom, they were planning out the dinner, which was going to be dinner at their house. And um, I guess it came up that I've had kids that I've, I was married and I've had kids and they flipped out. They're Filipino, they're old school, traditional. So, and they have a son, an only child that has oh, not no. had kids, never been married. He, he literally 
he's such a mama's boy. He took 10 years out of his life to take care of his mom because she had two kidney transplants. And then he bought the house across the street from them. Like they literally live across the street. So they rejected me. They, they didn't even take the time to meet me because once they found out I had been married and had kids, they just talked about me like I was the plague. Because Wait, so you're, were you older than him? I'm older than him by five years. And he wasn't able to make a decision on his own? He could not make a decision on his own. So, um, you know, in the Filipino tradition, what the parents have to say is actually very influential. And he wasn't strong enough to, he wasn't strong enough to overcome what they were saying. And so, but he continued to date me right after that. Parents rejected me, everything. And I had been, I hadn't even met them. I was still sending the mom like Mother's Day presents and things like that. But then when she realized, because she saw my car, that we were still dating after she refused to meet me, her and her and the dad, um, she they gave him an ultimatum and they said, if you don't break up with her, then you won't be able to talk to us until we're on our deathbed. So Get the fuck out of here. Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of hard because. You know, when you're close to your fam family like that and they put that kind of ultimatum, like Filipino parents are stubborn. I, I do believe that's something that they would say. But, um, you know, you're a man now. And then it got to that point where I had to tell him, like, you're a man. I'm, are you kidding me? We have, like, the best relationship. Want, did he want kids? This, this, that's why the mom was assuming, like, oh, like, what he is doesn't, it? He, you know, and it's funny because. Two months into our relationship, I told him, you know what, I, I am Filipino and your parents are not going to think that I'm the ideal mate for you because I cannot have kids and I don't want to have kids anymore. And, um, you know, I said, let's spend time apart. We even distanced ourselves for two weeks and he came back and he's like, no, I don't want kids. But then later he was like, well, I don't want kids, but my parents want me to have kids. So it's almost like he would be willing to have kids just to satisfy them. So culture got played a big role in your relationship. Culture got a big role on it. Like no matter what happened, you found the one you thought you had a good everything check your checkbox was legit. But when it came to yeah. the culture, the relationship, uh, I mean, I mean me, I, I mean the way I look at it, there's no rules in love. So I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm all in. You know, end of the day, it's about you, not just what your family says. And I have family and friends, and I have people that I, they believe they have strong beliefs in religion. And no matter what happens, they have to go by, which I respect. But man, if I'm in love, what the fuck? Exactly. And I think that was, you know, what my friends were saying. They're like, yeah, I get that you feel love and it's a great communication, and you guys don't want to be with someone else. But. You know, he, why was he not strong enough to stick up for your relationship? It's the first time he'd been happy in his whole entire life. And I almost get to the point where I want to knock on their door and just be like, you're a selfish mother. I would never hold my child. That's all we want as so, parents is for our child to feel happiness. And you're going to keep that away from him. We're humans. Not hold on we're, you know what? You're, you're human. And I think it's fair to say that it's hope. We all want hope. And maybe he will. He will open his eyes up. So you, that one percent that call it. Every we all have a we have a one percent for everybody. So maybe that's why he don't let go. It is the, you know what? It's the one percent because there was no lying, there was no cheating. We never argue. It's the only you're telling. Like my thing that I keep con having this conversation in my head is the the reason why you're single is because he, he didn't have the balls to stick up for you, and his mom doesn't approve of you. But the relationship is perfect. And that's where I struggle on fully letting go. Because in any case, any other scenario, I'd be like, you know, adios, bye, you know, whatever, that's it. But in this case scenario, there's nothing wrong with the relationship per se. He just, he, his, and it's hard because his logic to me is, yes, I can rebel against my parents. And eventually, maybe a year or two down the road, they might actually cave in and you know build a relationship back but his parents are elderly they're actually older than my parents so what would, JJ, what, what would corporate jj do in a situation like this corporate jj would put that person in probation <laughs> probationary period for x amount of time so i actually you know told myself that i would give myself until june and say, okay, if nothing True, changes, I'll give myself till next month, and that's it. Yeah, like, give my, but like, we're not, we're not like going out on date. I mean, we're not doing that. Like, 
it's just there's still an open line of communication um, there. So but we're it, not. It's, like, it's, it sounds not fair. The best of you was given, and he lost it. Pretty much is his his lost. And and I know you're giving him the the you're not closing the door on him, but that door looks like it's closing little by little. But my question is, what that is. Uh, what advice would you give your daughter then if she was in the same situation since you talked about how, you know, you want to point it out? I would actually, I would hope that she'd be more aggressive. And I would say that she would, I would tell her, I'm like, you know what, go talk to the mom. <laughs> and, um, which is what I want to do. I, I mean, literally if I could have the ball to talk to the mom, um, do it. Probably, you, you have nothing to lose. I you have nothing to lose. Might, I probably might do it because I want to tell her, you know what, you're just selfish. Because as a mother, I would never want my child. I, after that happened to me, I called my son and I said, I said, babe, I'm like, if I ever, just, I give you permission to slap me. If I ever try to prevent you from being with someone with no logical reason. I mean, the fact that I've had a kid, that's like the scarlet letter, um, you know, and I like, I have, yeah, I have kids, but they're awesome kids, you know, and it's just, it's just so unfortunate that a mother would actually put their own needs in front of theirs. And I tried to convince him and I tried to like mentally get him to turn around. But you know, when you're loyal to your parents like that, his thing is, if his parents pass away in the time that, you know, he's standing up for me and us, he would end up regret, regret, you know, resenting me. And that made sense. That's logical. And so I was like, I guess I can't. Especially in the pandemic, this whole big thing going on right now. You don't yeah, and it. she's high risk. She's high risk. And then I don't want to do that. Let's say I push him a little bit more and then he does rebel. And then like he's not talking to them and then they pass. And then he's with me. He's going to end up leaving me anyway because he's going to he's going to blame me for the fact that he didn't have any conversation with them. So, so let me ask you a question on this. But it was that the purpose of you going on TikTok to pretty much, you know, explain your story and you know because i read your stories and i've do a bunch of them too and it just yeah it's touching like you know what it's i feel like is that the message you want to send to everybody like you know everything that you went through are you trying to tell your story through tiktok it wasn't what i initially because part of your question was did i initially go on tiktok for that no i did not initially go on for that but it's part of the niche, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you need to find a niche. Well, I have six, so I'm going to let it be there. And, but one of the, it did end up that I wanted, I realized last year early on that by me sharing the story and it, and it's a story that puts me in a very vulnerable state because I used to hide those stories from my family, from friends, um, because I was embarrassed of the person I became when I was in a dark place. And I wasn't as confident as the woman you're seeing now. Like, you know, I, I took my power back and I, I became unstoppable again, which, you know, you're always the best version of yourself. It's just a matter of you letting that person shine. So I had to, I realized by me sharing my story, I've actually saved some people. And that, that means a lot to me because, you know, I wish when you're in a, the dark place like that, you feel like you're alone. You don't even realize that other people are experiencing what you're experiencing. You're the only person at the time you call yourself an idiot. Cause you're like, why, you know, he cheated on me. Why am I not telling him like, you know, F you get out, you know, you, it sucks. It sucks when you get to that. Cause you just feel weak. You don't know what to do, but you just feel trapped and you feel like you can't get any better than that. And it's just like, you, you don't know where to go. Um, that wasn't initially why I got on TikTok, but it is part of my journey now because I'm realizing that I'm able to help people and guide them in a direction like, you know, when there's drama, like there's no need for drama. Here's how you need to think about it and redirect their focus to a better life. Because like I, like I always say, we've already lived half our life. The rest of it needs to be happy. I'm lucky enough to meet people from all over, from people that have money to don't have money. And it feels like you're very humble. You're very humble. And you're very kind-hearted when it comes to people. Like you care about people's feelings. I care about people's feelings, and it's a good. You know, I think because I have such a dark past, um, it kind of helps in my mentality with guys as well. Because you know, a lot of times when you get to know someone, usually people like to delve in. Like, okay, let me see what the pattern is, right? So, and human nature will say, let me ask them, you know, how their past relationship was. What happened in your past relationship? Why did you guys break up, right? I don't know why people do that, but people do that because they're trying to find out if he's a cheater. Does is there a pattern? Do you, ask, do you think that's a good thing to ask? 
I don't think that's a good thing to ask. And I, and even when they try to share it, I normally stop them because I tell them whatever happened between you and your past relationships is who you are, who you were when you were with them based on how they treated you. So how you are now is how I'm going to treat you and your reaction to it. So I want to be respectful of where we are right now. And I see you as pure as can be. We're starting. It's just like starting like, you know, God gave you a new life. Here you go. So so I don't want to know what you did, what you did bad, what you did good or whatever with that other person. That's who you were when you were with them. You could have been a cheater. I don't care. Whatever you were is what who what you were with them and how based on how they treated you. So I'm going to judge you based on how you treat me because of a reaction on how I'm treating you. That That is, I'm going to tell you right now, when people listen to that, the minute you just said, I don't care if you were a cheater in the past, I'm not going to judge you. You know, there's always saying with people, with the, those trigger words, I call it the trigger words in relationships. Yes. Is it because of the what you do as a living and how how far you became and how far you become now that it doesn't phase you, the what people's past is? No, because I, I mean, I've done things, I have skeletons in my closet of things that, you know, I am not proud of, and it doesn't define who I am now. It's just a part of my past. It's a chapter that I had in my past. It doesn't define who I am now. Because when I look back on it, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so dark. I don't, I don't want people to know about that. But in actuality, it, it, it helped develop me to it's the who I am. Now. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I wasn't that person. You know, it doesn't, I mean, we were all twenties at some time and I'm sure we've done tons of things we weren't proud of, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a good person right here and now. So that's my thing. So guys really do hit the jackpot when it comes to that. I don't want to know about your past relationship. I don't want to know about your baby mama. I don't want to know, like, that's your relationship with your baby mama is your relationship. I don't step into that. I'm not a part of that. That's between you and her. I wasn't there when you did the nasty. Like, I don't need to be a part of that. I'm going to be respectful of your relationship with the family that you built there. And as long as it doesn't affect me and I'm going to support you in any way. I feel like we spend the last like half an hour learning dynamics when it comes to power dynamics of empowering women. But at the same time, you showed us how vulnerable you are as well. In relationships and that's normal because we all have to go through it right yeah absolutely if you were to see yourself 10 years ago right now what would you t- what kind of advice would you give yourself that you have the power to take your power back that you gave your power to someone you just have to decide to take your power back and decide that you're going to be happy and once you decide that you're going to be happy and love yourself everything falls into place I, I was so fearful that if I made that, if I jumped and I left and, you know, and I didn't have any money in my pocket that I would not be happy again or be able to provide for my kids. And it's not the case. When I took my power back, life changed for the better. And I was okay thinking I was going to be alone because I loved myself. I knew my kids were going to have the best life. I knew that I was going to be able to rebuild a life that I wanted to live. And that, you know, that I am an awesome person. Because before, when you're in that dark place, you question if you're a good person. Am I good enough? Like, you know, I was constantly trying to prove myself. And then I realized later, like, I was already the best version of myself. The person I was with just didn't appreciate that. I need somebody who's going to appreciate what I can give them. Definitely. And for those that haven't found the best version of themselves, it will. You will. Has, Has a quote ever stick by your head by from one of your mentors? This quote, there's a quote that I actually like to live. There's two quotes that I like to live by, but it's not necessarily um, someone that kind of gave it to me. It was my motivational quote for myself that I found when I was in my corporate world is I, I always love a challenge when someone says something can't be done. So my favorite quote is those that say it sh- those that say it can't be done are usually being interrupted by those that are doing it. I hope um, who said that quote. There's two different versions of it. There's that. And then there's the there's the Chinese proverb that is similar to that, that says those that say it can't be done need to get out of the way because <laughs> there's other people that are going to do it. So that that's really big for me, because when people say it can't be done and I and I did a post about this this morning is that your limitations are done by what you manifest in your head or someone told you you can't do it. So if you tell yourself you can do it, you can do whatever you want. Like, 
you know, there, I never thought I would be able to get out of that relationship. 17 years, you feel locked in, you, you don't know where to go, what to do, and you feel lost. And I had no friends, no family, because they all abandoned me because they were like, you're, you tell it, you cry to us about your situation, but you don't do anything about it. So they gave up. Um, yeah. I, usually like to, I usually like to end the show with hearing your motivational quote, which you did already. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, because not only did I just, I'm glad to meet someone who isn't very empowered and very is, is, you know, it's about herself and loving herself and you don't hold back. And I think it's very important to keep on doing it. And, and it's amazing because no matter what happened, listening to the first 20, 30 minutes, it's like, wow, the shark that, you know, the fighter <laughs> and you earned it. Not, 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 there's nothing bad about it. I'm embracing it. And then you met somebody, I was all your rules. I think yeah. sometimes people like greed are greedy. They don't want to share what they experience because maybe they're embarrassed or they don't want someone to judge them. Yeah, I mean, but no, I think the best power, the best gift you can ever give anyone is knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think sharing is sharing your story could help someone save a life. It could save it could save time for somebody. Yeah, JJ, like I said, thank you so much for being part of the show. Yeah, absolutely happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And definitely, I'd love to have you and your best friend from TikTok here. <laughs> and next, you know, maybe next month or something. Gotta make yeah, a phone call absolutely. to Cali. But yeah. like I said, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any, have any questions for me and for Miss JJ, let me know and we can follow up in the near future.